Hey, Renter Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with another episode, joined as usual by Zach Lee Master, the founder and CEO of Rent to Retirement. And we are pleased to be joined by Craig Miles today. He is the CEO of Money Ripples and also an anti-financial advisor, which we're going to find out what on earth that means because uh, most people aren't uh, advertising themselves as anti. So Chris, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, so what is an anti-financial advisor and why do you market yourself as that? Why do you, why do you tell people that? Because financial advisors suck. That's why. <laughs> we really dumb it down. Uh, well, I mean, I used to be one, so that's why I can rip on financial advisors because I was, I was a financial advisor for four years. You know, I didn't start out that way in life because the only thing I was talking about money growing up was there's never enough of it. You know, money only grow. you know, money doesn't grow on trees. What do you think I am? Made the money. We can't afford this. You know, those are the kind of things I, I heard growing up with my kind of pre kind of depression era of men mentality parents. Right. Well, when I got to college, I said, I want to do something different. I want to live a life of freedom. I don't want to be bound, you know, really bounded by employers telling me how much I can make and when I can show up and when I can go to the bathroom practically, which by the way, I did have a job, nine to five job that actually told me how many minutes you can go to the bathroom. So I didn't want that kind of life. I wanted freedom. And so I actually went into business and the first business that I found when I was looking for something was being a financial advisor, not knowing that they took anybody off the street, as long as you didn't have a criminal record and you could pass a test with 70% or higher. Well, I did that. So I, I became a financial advisor. Did it for several years, and then my dad, who taught me to just save everything, he was like the he was like the guy that Dave Ramsey looked up to. You know that Dave Ramsey probably learned from was probably my dad. And uh, so I sat down with my dad, and he said, "Let's let's look at my money. I'm 61 years old. I want to retire today." And then I sit down and look at his numbers. I said, "Well, Dad, I mean, you paid off your house early, which is awesome. He paid it off in 18 years. Um, he was stuffing his 401k like every good boy and good girl should." And I said, "Dad, despite all that." If you want to retire today, you better hope you die in five years because that's when you'll run out of money. Okay, Chris, what do I do then? I said, I don't know because you've done, you've done everything right according to what I teach as financial advisor. You've been stuffing those mutual funds and getting a match even, right? You've been, you know, you've paid off all your debt. You're debt-free. This should be the life of freedom that I've been telling people, selling them on hopium, right? You know, like giving them hope, hoping that they'll actually be able to do something. But the truth is it's not enough. And that kind of got me on a, on a different path, right? Because I realized I had this dilemma, you know, as a financial advisor, I've just seen the proof and, and it became more apparent when I talked to one of my friends who was a real estate investor and he actually confronted me. He said, listen, Chris, how many of your clients are really financially free where they don't worry about running out of money, even if they're retired? I said, oh, you had to say that not running out of money part. Well, none, they all worry about running out of money. Okay, Chris, well, way to help nobody become free. Uh, that's a good start. Well, how about this? If anybody's got to figure it out, it should be you guys. So how many of you are financially free, not off the commissions earning, but actually doing these investments? And as I really thought about it, honestly, there's over a hundred people in our office. I said, none, none, because there's guys working here since the late 1970s. This is the mid 2000s, right? So they've been working here for like almost 30 years and they still can't retire. He says, there is your problem. And that got me down, journeying down this path about looking at real estate investing and really not about accumulating a bunch of money to then live on less than the interest, you know, living on your 3% a year, that kind of thing, but actually creating passive income. And once, and, and the funny thing is I've read Rich Dad Poor Dad a couple of times as a financial advisor, but somehow I made it fit my own narrative that, you know, he thought financial advisors were teaching good things with mutual funds, which he doesn't, right? Um, so once I started to learn about this real estate game, Later that next year, I quit, I quit being a financial advisor because I couldn't stay in integrity and keep teaching the same crap again. 
So I left, I was a mortgage broker and I was even like teaching some stocks, you know, stock trading on the side a little bit. But while I was doing that, learn how to create passive income through real estate investing and was able to retire myself when I was 28, almost 29 years old back in 2006. And uh, that blew my mind that that was even that possible. I was, my original goal was as a financial advisor, do everything I taught my clients, save up at least $2 million, live on 3%, that'd be 60,000 a year. And 20 years ago, I thought 5,000 a month was living the life. Um, now it's like you're living almost at poverty. So, uh, you know, I thought that was great. And so that was my goal is if I could save up $2 million by the time I'm 40, I would be, you know, I'd be retired early, right? Like that fire movement, you know, and, and that's just not the case. Like everything with mutual funds, it's high risk, low returns, mediocre returns at best. It's a, uh, it's, it's just horrible. And so now I actually have started to teach people to do what I've done, right? Which is get them away from financial advisors, get them away from that traditional crap that I know has been proven not to work. And if you can always ask me more stats, I got plenty of stats on that. But I know it just doesn't work. And so I've been trying to liberate people, just like you guys are, to get them out of the rat race by buying real assets that pay real cash flow and actually have real income for them. Wow. <laughs> I so mean, that is, is you had a job where you told people how to retire and not able to retire. And then you left that job and actually did what you were telling people to do. That's an Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Who huh? would have guessed? <laughs> That's, that's always been my thing. Even as a little kid, like, I mean, I remember even like, you know, uh, like, you know, even from a religious nature, like there'd be kids that say like, Hey, I go to this church, I go to this church, but they only go on Sundays and then they're like a jerk the rest of the week. I'm like, well, dude, if you can't live what you're preaching, then I'm not going to go to your church. You know, like that's kind of how I was growing up. It's the same way. Really. If you look at it, financial advising is religion, right? It's, it's horrible how, how bad they indoctrinate you. And then they spread that indoctrination to everybody. Like, I mean, even guys like Dave Ramsey. If you really look at what they're doing, they're really just financial advisors that just claim they're just not financial advisors, but they're teaching the same old crap that's been taught for years, but yet less than 1% of people actually get to the point where they say, I think I'm financially free. Less than 1%. And there's a lot more than 1% of people that are Dave Ramsey fans. Like they, if you look at 401ks, you know, the 401k plans, more than 52% of people contribute to a 401k plan that have the eligibility to do so. That means the majority of people are savers. And that doesn't even include people that maybe just can't afford it. They would be a saver if they had enough money, but they can't. And that includes people like me who can contribute to a 401k plan, but I don't because I think they suck. So I don't contribute to it. So I guarantee more than half the world are actually savers. That means there's hundreds of millions of Americans that are actually in that more saver mentality, just like Dave Ramsey teaches, which is why he's made so much money, because a lot of people do support his philosophy and the rest of the financial advisors out there. And as a result, they keep following the same advice getting crappy results. It just, it, again, if less than 1% of people, Fidelity, 401ks, 750,000 people actually have a million bucks. But remember, with a million, you can only live on 3%. That's 30,000 a year. You're at the poverty line. You're a broke A millionaire, right? Totally broke. And, and that's why when they did a survey by Transamerica, a separate survey from the Fidelity's third survey, of those people that have over a million dollars in their accounts, 35% think it will be, quote unquote, a miracle to be able to retire. A miracle. And they're millionaires. But they know because, again, they look at that 3%, they're like, there's no way. You know, that's why we had a guy, his name was Dan, that he had a million dollars in a retirement plan from the military. And the guy, the financial advisor says, live on 30000 a year. He says, I live in California. Bro, you know, <laughs> even homeless people can't barely live on 30000 a year, you know? And so 
instead, when he came to us, he started doing things like turnkey rentals. He did some syndications. You know, he did some things with oil and gas. And he went from 30000 a year, what was required or told he could do, hopefully not running out of money, to now 130000 a year. So that's the difference, right? Like, that's the kind of thing that fires me up. And even though I'm financially independent, even after the last recession, I went broke, had to dig out of that hole again and, and redo it again and become financially independent the second time in 2016. Still, I'm really, if you can't tell, I'm a little bit passionate about getting people to swing that, that perspective away from that mainstream Wall Street mentality, which has been proven not to work, yet everybody keeps buying into a hook, line, sinker because everybody else does it. It's just, it's, just it's, it's like people when they said milk does a body good, right? Back in the 80s and 90s. And now we found out milk doesn't do a body good at all. But still, we all bought it, right? We're like, oh, it's part of the food pyramid, you know, like all that stuff. Like you put bread at the top and now everybody's fat and overweight and it's got leaky gut syndrome, right? That's what's happening in the financial world, just like it happened in the health world. It's happening here because that's where all these companies are making their money is getting you to be brainwashed, to be zombies. Dude, I'm just like this, this first, this is probably the best intro, Chris, that we've, we've ever uh, interviewed anyone on our entire podcast where I'm just like, preach, man, preach. Um, I, I oh, love the longest it. intro. I should probably, probably should get to the actual, <laughs> some real good stuff here, but no, we'll, we'll certainly get to that. No, thank you for just like the, the mindset of that though, because I think that everyone, um, most of our audience will pick something out of that. Just like that's, that's me. Right. Or like that was me, or that's not who I'm trying to be. Um, certainly I can, I resonate with you, you know, your story and just kind of your, your mindset go, going through that same thing. Right. So we definitely want to uh, progress along. We talk about some, some like applicable things that th people can, right. We do anyone listening to us is familiar with real estate. All right. That's one thing where you can take control of your finances and, um, be financially literate to be a strategic investor, especially using leverage. We always talk about tax benefits et cetera, et cetera, of like creating your own destiny. Um, and we're going to interview you to talk about some, some additional things as, as well that people can just do as a comprehensive financial approach. But I just, I, I want to be clear and set the stage appropriate, appropriately, just to clarify on the background, uh, your background on being a financial advisor. Um, you touched on this a little bit, but what, what is a typical, and I, I remember walking to Edward Jones and things like that, right. And giving, um, looking at this plan and then realizing this just, <laughs> I want to do more than this. This is not going to cut it for me, but. What, um, give us, give us like the, the run of the mill advice generally, just for anyone that's maybe seeking, maybe as a financial advisor or hasn't, hasn't gone into a financial advisor to talk about mutual funds and things like what is, what is pretty much like the thing that everyone coaches from a financial advisor standpoint, what is the typical expectations of like what people can expect? Yeah. What they're going to talk about is minimizing your life. <laughs> they won't say it this way, right? But this is what they're going to say. They're going to say, Save as often as you can, for as long as you can, as much as you can. Take out as little as you can in retirement while taking all the risk, right? Because they'll say things like high risk creates high returns. Therefore, if you want better returns, you need to gamble with your money more by letting it ride in the stock market, right? And they'll tell you things like you're going to make 12% a year. You know, maybe if there was, they'll, they'll say they're conservative, they'll say 10% a year. Um, just so you know, the real rate of return of the stock market in the last 30 years of the S&P 500 it's about 7.95% right now. When I checked just last week and I updated the numbers, 7.95%, not 12. And you might just think, oh, 4% is not that big of a deal. Here's the difference. The difference between that over 40 years is either having a million dollars in 40 years or having a quarter million in 40 years, maybe $300,000. That's it. It might only be 4%, but you will have about less than a third 
of your money of what you're expecting in retirement. And that doesn't count for inflation. So when I was a financial advisor, I would put these numbers into a little calculator, right? Financial calculator. And this is all that um, this is all that financial advisors really do is they put your numbers in a calculator and try to make it look good. And so I would show, for example, when I was in my 20s, you know, mid-20s, I was talking to other, you know, young, you know, fresh out of college type of couples. And I'd say, look, if you put in 100 bucks a month for the next 40 years, I really have to be like 104 bucks a month for the next 40 years. At 12%, you'll have a million dollars. You'll be a millionaire. Uh, by the way, Dave Ramsey tells the same thing, same story, but he says, uh, but when he says 100 bucks a month for 40 years, uh, the funny thing is he'll he'll say that you'll have 1.176 million dollars. Um, he's 200 thousand dollars off, so he can't even do math right, you know. But it looks awesome. So he's just like nobody has an excuse for becoming a millionaire. But here's the real question: What's a million dollars gonna be worth in 40 years, right? Especially with inflation, and that's the thing. I, I remember when I put in those numbers. I would like try to put inflation lower because when I put inflation at like three or 4%, which I think is even low compared to what it really is, I put it at three or 4%, it would get depressing. Cause I say, well, here's how much you guys should pull off and not run out of money. I'm like, oh, it's not much. And so I would put inflation at 1% or 2%. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that looks better, <laughs> right? Um, this is part of the reason why I was, start I was starting to really question what I was teaching after four years. Cause the more I learned, the more I got scared that what I was teaching was crap. Um, so when I, especially when I realized the real return wasn't 12%, it was more like 8%, seven to 8% typically. So when you factor all that in, you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm not making nearly as much money. I'm taking all this risk. I'm saying high risk creates high returns, but financial companies aren't doing that. They're charging me fees every single year. They're taking zero risk. They're always charging a fee. Even if you lose money in the market, they still make money, right? You know, if, if that were any other profession, you would have fired them if you lost money like that, you know? So. So that's the thing. It's it's really not complex. It's basically just build up all your money in mutual funds, set it, forget it. Don't look at it. Don't worry about the waves because you're in it for the long haul. High risk rates, high returns. And then eventually as you pay off your mortgage because debt's evil, so pay off all your debt. And when you're debt free, you can live on less in retirement than what you do when you're working because you'll be debt free. Your kids will be out of the house. Your life will be amazing. You're like you'll, you'll just be able to live cheap. And the reality is I've never met anybody who's in their 60s saying, Oh yeah, my life's cheaper today. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that uh, a lot of people can definitely um, resonate with that that situation of, uh, I mean that that's just what we're taught, right? And a lot of times from our parents, as as you mentioned, I mean I won't restate the same thing you just elaborately did, but I mean you, you got to think differently, right? And, and you got to take control of your finances. You got to do things different. That you got to take the initiative to learn um, and have control of of your risk and your destiny, uh, Chris. So I know that this is something you certainly work with your clients on something you've personally done. So let's take, let's give some, the audience, some action items and some things like, okay, we realize this, we want to do something different. What are some things that we can do? Everyone that listens to us is familiar that real estate is one of the ways, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that's one of those vehicles. And for us, it's, it's the best investment, but that's not the that's not the only thing you can do financially. Like there's some other things like being your own bank, uh, concepts about around infinite banking and just thinking about leverage appropriately, being smart and savvy with your tax structures and business. Talk about some things that you've done um, in your life to do things differently that has allowed you to achieve financial independence and some things that are important to think about. Yeah, I would give you this, these three things you can take action on is get lean, get liquid, and get out. So get lean means really start to track your money. 
surprisingly, even people that are responsible with their money don't always track their money. How much is coming in? How much is going out? Be wise with it. You know, that's the thing. Money's all about stewardship. If you want to have more money and more freedom, you got to be a steward of it. It's that law of attention. Whatever you pay attention to will expand and grow. Well, whatever you ignore will decay and leave you. So think about it from any other aspect of life, right? And this is how you know something's a true principle. It works with money. It'll work with health. It'll work with your spiritual life. It'll work with your mental life, emotional life. Relationship. Everything. everything relationship. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, for example, um, you know, if I, you know, if many people say, you know, set it, forget it when it comes to money, right? Like just turn, turn blind eye, just put it in there, keep saving away. And eventually, you know, it'll be something, something. Well, what if I did that? Like you said, relationships, right? What if I did it with my marriage? What if I just <laughs> said, you know what? I'm going to take high risks to get high returns in my marriage. So I'm going to do everything possible to, you know, destroy my marriage because that makes a stronger marriage, right? Um, or, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to ignore my spouse because, you know what? That works. You know, again, when you pay attention to something, it gets better, doesn't it? If you ignore your kids. Good, so we're, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're done, right? You know, you ignore your health. It will leave you. You ignore your teeth. They'll leave you, right? Whatever you ignore will leave you. Therefore, when you're getting lean with your money, it doesn't mean you get cheap. It doesn't mean you cut out all fun out of your life or live on rice and beans, as our buddy Dave says that I've already quoted a couple times today. It's not about that. It's about truly being a wise steward of your money and, you know, spending money on things that bring you joy, but eliminating things that don't, you know, things that really are just a waste, you know, and I've had a variety of people do that. Like I had one client where, um, seriously, like she's like, I'm just too busy to track my money. I'm a, I'm a graphic designer. I'm just so busy. My husband works too. I don't have enough time. I said, try it. Just take the time to do it. It doesn't have to take very long. Just do it. She did it without changing her lifestyle, freed up 1800 bucks a month. That's over 20 grand a year. Guys, that's like almost a turnkey a year, isn't it? You know, that's a down payment right there. So she started doing that. I had another person, they were living in Silicon Valley, the couple were, um, and this was t over 10 years ago. So just understand that inflation is probably about double it today than it was then. We tracked their money finally. It took a month for them to do it because they were afraid to. When we got them to track their money, now they're spending $5,600 a month eating out. If we were to double that with inflation today, which I'm sure is at least double, heck, since 2018, it seems like food costs have doubled eating out. Think about that. That's like $11,000 a month eating out, right? No wonder they're having a hard time making ends meet, at a, even at a quarter million a year. I told him, it's like, let's cut back your eating out to only, quote unquote, a thousand bucks a month, right? So it's like, don't cut it out completely. Don't go cold turkey. You can still do it, but let's just scale it back a little bit. They had so much fun doing that because they still enjoyed their life. They started, you know, taking accountability. Uh, between that, some tax savings and things like that, we freed up 70 grand a year. So 70 grand, I mean, imagine what that can do investing too, right? So just, just doing those small things make a big difference. Sometimes just watching your money alone will help you find an extra 500 bucks a month and you'll wonder where the heck it came from. That's why. That's what I mean by get lean. Get liquid is basically doing the opposite of what a financial advisor will tell you to do. Because think about it. The two places the financial advisor wants you to put your money is one, into your house to pay it off. And then two, into those retirement plans where they get locked up to you at least 59 and a half or whatever age the government decides at the time you try to retire, right? Because they can change that age at any time and you have no say in it. Good point. So- you lock your money up in prison when you follow financial advisor's advice. I'm saying keep your money out of prison, right? Don't lock it up by paying all this extra towards your house, right? Don't lock it up in that 401k of the IRA. It doesn't matter if you get the match. By the way, the match doesn't even make up for the lack of performance in those, those mutual funds. That is 
that is huge, by the way, because um, so many people that we talk to, and I, I don't refute this point at all mm-hmm. um, with them because I don't want to. I don't want to argue with them, but they always say like, "Well, I'm going to put in and get the match because that's mm-hmm. free money." In free. my mind, I'm like, "Okay, what you can do, you can do better." I know that I can do better with it, right? And I can leverage, and I get, I can apply that to tax benefits, right? Like when you yeah. enter all that. And anyways, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Well, I you know, I, I mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Adam. I also love this 401k match that with 401ks, you're just looking at the one decision maker in the company who's given you four options of what you can invest in. And you're like, oh, well, you know, the CFO must know best. He's clearly the the smartest person in the world who's given me four options that I can pick from. Thank well, you pe- so much. People do it because it's easy, right? That's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. Is It's just easy. It's like in their mind, it's like, oh, I might I might as well match it because why why, why not? Um, it's an easy thing. But anyways, continue with uh, Get Liquid. Well, and let's, let's go with that because you're right. Like that 401k match is like the ultimate thing that gets people stuck in, in bondage, right? Because they think that it is free money. And technically, yes, you do get paid for your employer free money, right? But that's money they're going to pay you anyways. They're just trying to keep you there happy. But think of this, um, Fidelity. I remember I mentioned them before. Uh, out of 45 million clients, only 750,000 had at least a million bucks. Well, I also looked at their fund performance this year. I said, I wonder what those target date retirement funds do because they've actually said, especially with millennials, over 80% of millennials just pick the target date funds. Like, like you just said, Zach, it's easy, right? It's like, oh, if I'm going to retire in 2060, there's a retirement target date 2060. Click, you know, that's as easy as that. There's 2035, there's even 2025. Like you could pick these different target date funds. The last 10 years, even though the stock market actually averaged, and this is like way be above the average usually for long-term, the stock market averaged 10.1%. What did those target date funds do? 8% flat. They were over 2% worse. That's before the 0.75% costs, the fees came out. So when you do the math, that means you've lost almost 3% of that 10%. So maybe you, yeah. So let's just go with the average, right? Let's just say that I'm going to round up to what the 30-year long-term average is, which would round up to 8%. 8% minus 3% means you make 5%. Well, what's the real rate of return on that match? Now, if you ask most anybody, even financial advisors, they'll tell you, well, if you get a 50% match, it's a 50% return. Or a 100% match, I get a 100% return. That's only true month one. Once that money starts growing, because they don't add more money to the money that's already in there, that rate of return long-term goes down the longer you're in a 401k. Because I... I'll challenge you to do this. Find a financial calculator online. Go to like calculator.net. Put in an interest calculator. And just say, see what happens when you put in away 10000 a year for the next 30 years at 108%. Because you get the match for 100 plus the 8% market. You will be richer than Bezos with your little measly 10000 bucks a year in just 30 years. I can guarantee you that's not reality. And everybody else should too. The real compound rate of return only adds about 1% or 2% long term. So remember... You did about 2% worse because of the fund you picked than the stock market itself. Well, that just makes up for the bad performance of the fund. That's all the match makes up for. You'd be better off investing in the SP 500 without the 401k in the match. You would make more money there with less fees. So you would actually beat your 401k performance. That's the difference. So when people say that, and then, then it comes to your point, Zach, okay, they would do better on their own, but still real estate, you can do even better than the S&P because the S&P is only average about 8% where you already know with the multiple returns you talk about, the five different returns that are there, you can easily make 30% plus a year on a property. 
I've already proven it. Like I, I have my five-year performance on a turnkey that I had in Memphis compared to the S&P. The S&P I would have made about, about 60%, but I made over 300% in the last five years of that same turnkey. So no one can compete with me. I'm taking less risk. I'm not taking high risk, great high return. So, so that's what I mean. Like if you can get that money liquid, right? And people always ask me, well, if not the 401k, where should I put it? Savings account. That's a start. You know, you could do that. Um, infinite banking, we might talk about that as well, but like infinite banking, you know, we use that strategy and use that to double dip on our returns, but that's a place you can store it where again, it's not locked up in a 401k till you're 60 years old or whatever the age they decide for you. It's not locked away. So you can keep it in your control and then get it out to invest in those other investments like turnkey rentals and other things you can do to create and generate passive income each and every month where you don't have to wait till you're 59 and a half to retire. You could do it in your thirties, forties, fifties. Or whatever heck you feel like it. Yeah, just the time the time value of money, right? When we really if you really look at return and like if, if someone were to take the time to fully understand this. I think a lot of people though, they don't especially when you're new to investing and, and, and not and you're not expected to, but I mean this is new concepts to a lot of people where the goal I think um, of listening to guys like you, Chris, and listening to podcasts is just to get the wheels turning, right? To start at least thinking about it so you can actually take some action steps. Um, and not like not fully understand. It's okay if you just listen to you know the last twenty minutes of or twenty five minutes of Chris going through this and like there's some stuff that didn't didn't connect with you or you don't understand. That's okay. Go back and re-listen to it and think about it and then try to run the math so you fully conceptualize it. But the the goal is just to get your wheels turning of like what things can you do. But yeah, the time value of money. That's one thing I've I've really had a hard time conceptualizing because um, you have to be forward thinking. But it's just like wait a minute, I can say, like, I can earn income now that the government isn't controlling. And this is real estate and, and, and other things. Of course, I'm very biased towards real estate, but wait a minute, I can have income now that I can dictate how I spend it and reinvest it to get this compounding effect. And I can save additional tax money that I otherwise would give to Uncle Sam and never see again, and then reinvest it and buy other assets that have additional tax benefits and so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah. Um, I know we're running long. I want to talk about infinite banking because this is something that like I personally do. Um, and I think is just, it like adds to your, adds to your real estate, um, investing endeavors, but what did, so the first, uh, you, you said three things. So did we cover the second one was get liquid. What was the third thing? Yeah. Get out, which I was saying, like, get it out to cash flowing investment. Get it out. Like okay. About there. Right. All right. So what is infinite banking? Like what, what is it on this, on the basis, you know, baseline level and like, why, why should people be thinking about it and how are you personally using it to expedite your financial success and, you know, be a good steward of your, your money? Yeah, really, if you look at infinite banking, I mean, there's a lot of opinions out there on it. And unfortunately, most of what you'll see out there are a bunch of insurance agents just trying to, just trying to sell you crap, right? Um, which is why we actually do infinite banking in our company for that very reason, because we can't find anybody who does it right, at least not from an investor standpoint. But this is what it really is. It's a tax-free supercharged savings account when it's set up correctly. So if you can imagine, like, if you had to play a savings account that paid you more than point nothing percent, didn't charge you taxes on that point nothing percent, protected from lawsuits and creditors, sometimes into the millions. If you got millions, you could still have full protection there in most states. Um, and you can use that money however, for whatever you want, right? There's no restrictions on it. There's nothing that says you can't use it for this. Like, for example... People ask me, should I use my self-directed IRA to buy a turnkey? I would say no, because we don't want to have to deal with potential UBIT taxes or any other issues that way. So no, this is a strategy you can use instead. And so what this is, we're using a whole life insurance policy, which when I was a financial advisor was like a curse word. Like why would I use something so boring 
and so cruddy and and ridiculous as a whole life policy, right? Because the stock market's better. Well, it's not about the returns of the policy. I would just want a place I can store my money. It's safe. It's liquid. And I can use it wherever and however I want. Um, oh, by the way, bonus here. Um, if you're ever trying to save for college, it doesn't count against you for college assets. Or if you have a 529 plan, they use that against you, potentially sacrificing your ability to get tuition scholarships from a college, right? This doesn't count against you, but it does count for you in your favor when you're trying to qualify for a mortgage as a liquid reserve. So it really is beyond just the death benefit, right? We minimize the death benefit as low as it can go to reduce the costs so that almost all this money you're putting in goes to cash in year one. And by the third or fourth year, it's already paying for itself. But here's the real magic, right? Um, so I use it as a cash reserve and as ability to create returns on my money. So uh, one example is my wife, she, uh, she, she's like, listen, I want $300,000 liquid. You don't touch it. You don't invest it. I don't invest it. Like, it's just locked up, right? Just in case the world blows up on us, especially after 2020. We're like, we better have some good cash reserves, right? Well, $300,000, if you're earning 0.1% of my credit union, that's 300 bucks a year I'm making on 300,000. Not to mention, I get taxed on 300 bucks, so I might walk away with $200 of interest that I make net. But yeah, instead I said, well, let's do this. Let's keep a quarter million that's earmarked inside my life insurance, the cash value that's in here, the tax-free tax savings account. Let's keep a quarter million there because I can get to that in about a week anyways. And then keep the other 50,000 in the bank if I have to get to something overnight. And so we did that. Well, think about it. I still made 50 bucks, you know, whopping 50 bucks a year on that 50,000. But now I'm earning about 5% tax-free on this other money. So I'm making like 12,500 bucks plus the 50. I'm making way more than the 200 bucks a year in my bank savings account. So already just from a liquid position, I win. But anything above that quarter million that I had earmarked that we don't touch for emergencies, Anything above that, I can use to invest. And so I actually went and, and uh, there was a syndicator that I knew that had some of my money. He was like, hey, we almost sold the property, but we need a little bit of extra cash. And he was debating about doing a capital call, you know, trying to get more investors money. And I said, listen, I'll, I'll loan you the money for three months. And what was he going to pay me? 15% a year. I said, awesome. I like that. Well, instead of just taking out of my savings account, instead, I borrowed that from the insurance company. Why would they give me a loan? Because I've got money in there earning at least 3% guaranteed that they know they'll give me leverage on. So they give me a line of credit at a low interest rate while they're still paying me all that money. So I pulled out 50,000, but I didn't take any 50,000 on my account. It was still earning that tax-free compounding interest. While they charged me interest on that money, I was able to leverage that money, create that little arbitrage, you know, just like you do when you get to use the bank. But I got paid the returns, used those returns to pay back the loan, and I still netted about another 500 bucks over this those few months in interest that I made versus what I paid. And, and on top of that, I still made my cash flow. So yeah. that's the key difference is that you can actually earn money in two places at the same time because you can actually make more in interest than what they, they charge you when you borrow from the insurance company. So I'm going to leverage the crap out of them to use that money, make money in here while also making money in my investment. And turnkeys, by the way, are an amazing investment to use for that when there's regular cash flow coming in. It's a great example of what you can use again, get that double dip effect. So even if somebody gets 10% a year on an investment, cash on cash returns, usually this will add at least another one, two plus percent a year on top of that 10%. Yeah, let me let me um, paraphrase and just break down the core concepts. Um, and you tell me if I got this right, Chris, because this is the way that I understand it in my mind and, and why this makes sense to do is, um, and that's really the thing is double dipping arbitrage, 
and tax-free growth, I think are kind of the key things to pull away from that. But you essentially can invest in a whole life policy, arguably because it's a necessity, I think, to first and foremost have life insurance likely. Um, so let's not ignore that fact, um, at least for our family. Like I want to have a death benefit um, where if if I expire early, which who knows, could be a possibility, or even if I don't, I'm, this is planning for when that happens because I will die at some point. <laughs> so, um, so we have the death benefit to provide that to protect the family. Um, if, and when that, ha or when that does happen. Um, but really the, the investing side of this is that I can invest where I get basically a guaranteed baseline return or some level of that, where there's some sort of like guaranteed performance that is growing tax free, which is the main part. So that, that is like just from an investing standpoint, fantastic. But then I can leverage my whole life policy where I can actually be the, be the bank. Um, and I can borrow for myself or the insurance company where I'm paying an interest rate on the loan that is less than the, the amount that I basically am guaranteed to per, to grow interest on compounding interest over time tax-free. So that's the arbitrage aspect mm -hmm. of it. But then I can, I can expedite like take that to the next level and take that money out and actually lend it to myself to buy an investment to whatever I can actually invest it to get an additional return while I'm still, while I still have the death benefit to, to protect my family and while I'm still earning on the money as if it was still there. And, but now I'm taking that to that next level. And this is where like people create, you look at, I mean, well, let me, let me finish this. So I can go out and invest and earn, earn income on, on that money, you know, or I possibly could even do use it like a HELOC or something where the, I'm using this as a down payment to even leverage more on assets potentially or something along the way. Basically I can invest that money and earn income on it, both over here in the investment world and over here on the, on the life insurance side, all while still providing life insurance for my family and, be, and having tax-free growth. Um, yeah. did, did I state that appropriately or did I miss something? Sure did. Yeah, I noticed I didn't even mention anything about the death benefit because it's just gravy at this point. You know, uh, Most other guys in the infinite banking space have to mention the death benefit because they charge you so much in extra fees that you shouldn't be paid You know, you should be paying. And so that's one reason they always focus on the long-term, the death benefit, but if you design it right, you get access to all your cash within the first you know month, you know, which is awesome. You know, you get access to that cash that you can then use to leverage and and create more returns. So that's that's the the beauty of it. And yes, you get to protect your family at the same time too. And uh, and I'll tell you from a real estate investor perspective, the number one reason I hear from them why they they love it besides that double dip effect, that arbitrage effect, is just the fact that they can keep their money safe, where they're not worrying about bank failures like. SVB, you know, Signature Bank, you know, all those kind of things that we saw happen last March. Insurance companies don't go out of out of business like banks do. They're actually safer than banks. And it pays a better return. And like I said, in most states, it's 100% protected from lawsuits and creditors. So even if somebody sues you and win, they cannot get to it. That is money that's protected. They can put a lien on your house. They can take money out of your savings account, your IRAs, but they cannot touch this money. Yeah, that's... And the, the more and more I, um, you know, we grow our net worth and our investment portfolio like that, that actually matters. I think that's really important that we call our safe money. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's just huge, but I think this is something a lot of people when they hear about infinite banking, it's just like turnkey, potentially it's a buzzword. They've probably been presented or tried to be sold something in the past. It's all, but there's a thousand people in the space trying to operate under the infinite banking. What we're really, and so I almost hate saying that term because, because of that, but really what we're talking yeah. about is a 
one of many concepts that you can apply to potentially be your own bank and be a, a smart and savvy investor. And this is something like using a whole life policy as an insurance company is like, this isn't something new, correct, Chris? This is something that's right. been wealthy been doing for a very long time, right? Very so long just time. doing doing what wealthy people do and making sure you understand it though. Would you agree with that or? Oh yeah. If you went to Disney World, you saw evidence of it because Walt Disney, he, it's in his books, it's in his documentaries about him. He leveraged his life insurance policy and a home equity line of credit to have enough collateral for the bank to give him a loan to actually build Disney World. You know, Pamper Chef, seed money was started with the life insurance. For Ray Kroc, when he bought the business from the McDonald brothers, he used his life insurance cash value to pay the executives to stay on board, to keep them going, to keep it afloat. So it's not a new concept, but there is a, there is a concept, even in the real estate space, there'll be some of those people out there saying, well, if you don't have at least $100,000, $200,000 put into this, don't do it. That's BS, right? If you can save at least 5,000 bucks a year, which if you're trying to invest, you know, if you're, you gotta be saving something to invest, if you can't do that, then just buy a term policy, right? But if you have at least 5,000 bucks a year, you can start saving and putting away. This strategy can still work for you. So you mentioned that there's all these people saying things like uh, infinite banking and all of this, but a lot of them, you know, aren't setting you up for success. How would a person, you know, myself, I'm looking at, you know, doing one of these, I'm looking at all the operators out there. How do I know who's full of it and who's actually presenting me good information? The easiest way to do it is, is to get numbers from them. Um, now there is a little sales tactic that a lot of those insurance guys will use to say, oh, we'll give you the numbers after you get the policy. Why do they do that? Because they're afraid you're gonna shop them around and, and basically get something better, right? Um, if they ever do that, run. You know, if they're not willing to give you the numbers, run. Uh, that's one thing that we do is like, we'll give you the numbers right, you know, we'll show you the numbers right there and then we'll even give you the numbers because we have no problem with you shopping. Go, you go shop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go shop I'm like, it. please yeah. shop it. You'll see just how good it is. I'm like, especially if they do legitimately apples to apples. And so even when we get people sending us stuff, they'll say, hey, here's the illustration we got. You know, what, is this good or not? You know, we'll give an honest opinion. If it's good, if it's exactly the way we would do it, which happens like less than 1% of the time, great, it's good. You can do that. Um, I've even had a few people, I even told them, I said, hey, if they change this one little thing here, you'll save even a couple hundred bucks a year more money doing it that way. Um, I actually had an infinite banker text me, you know, when I, I was flying into the airport one day and he was just chewing me out because I showed a guy how to save thousands a year on the policy that the guy was trying to set up for him. And, uh, and he's just chewing me out. He's like, what are you doing, man? You're costing me business. Why? Because the guy's not out of the rat race. He needs to make the money. Um, the funny thing is that that same client ended up doing a bigger policy once he learned he could save those costs. And so that agent actually made more money. But again, everybody's like in this scarcity world thinking like, oh, I got to make money. No, that's BS. Like, and that's why we call it no BS infinite banking a lot of times or max ROI infinite banking because we're trying not to BS you around. We'll show you the numbers. So easiest way to answer your question, Adam, is just show us the numbers and we can give you an honest answer if they're good or not. And understand the numbers, right? Just like if you're yeah. buying anything you're doing, you gotta, you need to understand the numbers. If you're making an investment in anything, understand the math. Right. I think that's it's really, we, Chris, when I was on your show, we talked about the, the ideal investment, right. And, or that's our acronym for understanding real estate, all the returns. Most people stop at I, they look at the cash flow on the performa year one. And that's what's it locked in their head. Guys, you have to understand how leverage works and how like, you know, a, a portfolio group, like what your true ROI is on anything property. And this is, this is no different, right? You got to understand and it takes time. It takes education, but it takes some work. 
Chris, I know we're kind of getting close to the end here. I mean, any last, uh, Adam will will um, throw up your information so people can reach out to you, but any last words of advice for people or key concepts that you think are a must, must know for people? I think it really is just question everything. I mean, understand whatever the masses do, look at the results. If the masses of people are becoming financially free, then great, follow the masses. However, they're not, are they? You know, and that's and that's what I did. That's what helped me is that I started following people where I saw it worked in their own life. And that's what led me on the path that I am, same path that Adam, you and Zach are on as well, right? We're on this path because we know it works. It's been proven to work for tens of millions of us. Even though hundreds of millions do one thing, it doesn't make it right. Do what actually works. You know, success leaves clues, as Tony Robbins would say. I just have one last question for you. You uh, you talked down a bit about some of the calculators that you ran whenever you were a you know financial consultant. You have a passive income calculator on your website. Um, why is that not garbage? <laughs> well, one, it's uh, it does come from my brain, right? And uh, I try to be very conservative with it, but it's not a future value calculator. It's not like that at all, where you're just guessing, you know, like a Blinken from Robin Hood Men in Tights. He's blind up on the watchtower, right? Guessing no one's coming. No, it's it's just only showing one year. So it takes your numbers. It takes figures out really what liquid cash you have that can be used, not your 401k locked up at your work, but what liquid cash do you have? Even just earning a conservative 10% rate of return on your money, what would that create for you in the next 12 months? So for example, someone has 200,000 of cash, they're gonna see the number after they take out the money for the emergency fund. They're gonna see a number spit out that's roughly about 20 grand a year from that 200 grand, you know? Um, if you have other properties, maybe your return on equity is too low because you have other investment properties. Maybe you even thought, listen to this show, oh, I don't need investment properties, I already have some. But we would look at it and say, your return on equity sucks. Sell those properties, 1031 them into new properties and you'll make way more money, right? So. We even have that calculated in there as well, just to figure out really realistically in the next 12 months, how much passive income you could create with your current situation. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. The website is moneyripples.com. That's moneyripples.com. Uh, you know, if you want to check out some of these turnkey properties that he's been talking about on the show, you can head over to renttoretirement.com and see some of the options that we have available for you. Granted, we only show you your one numbers, but there's some, uh, other numbers in there. We're happy to to help you figure those out. If you book a call with us, Zach also still has the wealth calculator up there that you can use to see past year one. That's at renttoretirement.com. And as always, if you have any questions, send them to podcasts at renttoretirement.com and we will get them answered in a future episode. That's podcasts at renttoretirement.com. Really appreciate the time you spent educating yourselves today. We'll talk to you on the next episode.